Thanks for listening. This is Jumpsuit Swagger, episode two. Two. And this is Valerie, and I'm here with Laura and Mike. Hi. Hi, everybody. So, um... What are we doing today? So today we're going to talk about Elvis's youth. Mm. Um... His youth in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yes, we're going to just growing up, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but first of all, Laura, how are you doing? Great. Happy to be here, Valerie. <laughs> that sounds sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Is a cat out of your purse? I know. There's literally a cat in your bag right now. Now he's it's the cat out of the bag. Mike, our cat is assaulting Laura's purse right now for some reason. Oh, he's rubbing on my ankle. Oh, I'm sorry if he bites you. He does that. He's got yeah. a lot of opinions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, he's really just into you and your purse, isn't he? Yeah. All been there. It's a good mm-hmm. purse. It's a Betsy Johnson. Oh, I do love Betsy Johnson. Uh, so he's got good taste. He's going to claw the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. Um, Loki has feelings about leather. Yeah. He's very opposed. Mm, Opposed to leather. Yeah. Can you make leather? I think you make leather out of any animal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you make frog leather? Or does that have to be like a mammal? I don't don't know. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Laura's a vegetarian. Definition. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff to Google later. Definition of leather. I think it's just any animal skin, right? Because you can get like. What about fish leather? I don't think you can make fish leather. Well, yeah. It says like deer leather or. I just know a guy. You can make leather leather out of camels. I know that. Yeah, you can do camel leather. Yes, I know that from a a businessman we know. (laughs) (laughs) So Elvis, that's what we're here to talk about today. What was your childhood like in parallel to Elvis's? Um, not as poor as Elvis. I mean, definitely we were poor, but not like post-depression. Yeah. Like multiple people to a bed poor. It was really post-depression. It was like kind of in the thick of it. Like he was born in 35. Oh, right? that's true. Right. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the works of William Faulkner. Doesn't ring a bell. Okay, um, William for Fa- whom the bell tolls? No, that's Ernest Hemingway. Oh. William Faulkner wrote Absalom, Absalom, and uh, As I Lay Dying. Um, he was a guy from Mississippi who wrote a bunch of like depressive, uh, de- depressive, depressing <laughs> depression era literature about like being poor in Mississippi. And he was actually writing about Mississippi and being poor in Mississippi right around the time Elvis was growing up there. Oh. So it's actually kind of interesting if you read these these works by William Faulkner, you can kind of get like a, a view into like Elvis is kind of like where Elvis was born. Elvis, Elvis and William Faulkner were born in Mississippi, like 15 miles from each other, you know, and 40 oh. and 30, 40 years apart. So it's kind of interesting that they both these William Faulkner is one of the great American writers. So it's kind of interesting that these two creative people were born in what now is pretty much the worst state in America. I think (laughs) I I feel like we all we all can agree Mississippi is terrible. It's in trouble. I mean, yeah, there's that expression. It's the worst in the country for education. I think think for public education. Yeah, for everything. There's there's that expression. (laughs) uh, Thank God for Mississippi, because if your state is bad at something. Um, Mississippi's, Mississippi's worse, worse. Right. all the time. It's always oh, except worse. Except it's really good at being fat. I know like that the highest obesity rates are in like Mississippi. I guess. I mean, I guess you could say it's really good at being poor and really well, good at yeah. being uneducated. Yes. I don't really know <laughs> right. if those count to, oh, as superlatives. Poor, poor Mississippi. <laughs> yes. We're sorry, Mississippi. I'm sorry for listeners listening from Mississippi. <laughs> Call in and tell us how great your state <laughs> yes, is. Please. <laughs> yes, please. We'll yes. Debunk check this. Yeah. Based on the number of callers we receive. We will uh, 
we will adjust. Also, we don't have a right. number. Don't call no, us. <laughs> you can Actually, call us. Do call us. If you find a way to call us, <laughs> yeah. I'll be seriously No, don't impressed. encourage that. What? No, no, right? Like, if they manage to call right now into the podcast, oh, okay. I'm going to yeah, be right. like, wow. That would be yeah. very impressive. Are you from very the future? <laughs> and then we'll know definitively one way or the other if time travel's real. Yes, that's, yeah. tr- that's, that's definitely true. I'm okay with that. Finally. Yeah. So any, anyway... So, uh, yeah, so Ellis was born 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yes. Tupelo. And mm-hmm. they are, his family lives in a little shotgun shack. Mm-hmm. Um, How many square he, feet? I don't know. Very tiny. Probably about as big as, like, I don't know. This basement, like maybe? 600? Like, a, maybe a floor of one of our houses. I've seen pictures online. It's and like 500 square you feet, You can maybe. tour it. Okay. It's really, like, barely a thing. Okay. Um, and... He was one of twins, so his name is Jesse, or uh, there was Jesse Garen, Aaron, sorry, and Elvis Aaron, not mm. Aaron, Aaron, I pronounce well, it. Well, actually, I heard, I was reading the other day uh-huh. that his, he was born with the double A, right? And then later in life, he changed it to be closer to Garen, right. which was his dead, d- dead, dead twins. twins middle name. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So... so um, so when yeah, did the twin die again in birth, still birth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was a stillborn. So, um, very, very traumatic beginning to his life. Um, and his family was just very poor. Um, his dad got arrested for, and I think we covered this in the first episode for, um, writing a bad check for a hog. Yes. <laughs> like, um, when, when he was something. like three and a half or four. Four dollars, yeah. I believe it was. It was supposed to be, and he re- rewrote it as forty. Mm. <laughs> he, he he forged the check from the guy who bought the hog from him, so he ended up in jail. So basically, they just grew up, you know, and they're very close with aunts, uncles, cousins, and very often, like they would go live with this cousin or this grand, like or Minnie Mae would live with them. His aunt, um, Minnie Mae was the grandmother or grandma. Grandma. They have a lot of family members. If you like read a lot of like, and maybe it's just I have. Well, you know, back then, you know, people basically grew up and all family extended family lived very close to each other. It's right. not like you were going off and there, there was right. no long distance travel. Cars had not been around for very long and no one owned one. Um, no, Minnie Mae was the aunt because isn't it Dot is his grandma and because she was bedridden. What's wrong with Dot? Dot and Minnie May are the the most like old Vernon's mom. (laughs) Vernon's mom is Minnie May. Yeah, it's Vernon's mom. Vernon's mom is Minnie May. Elvis's dad. dad. Yes. So his grandma. Okay. Paternal grandma. Grandma. Yes. Um, Gladys's mom. Grandfather's middle name is Vernon, and he hated it. Really? Yeah. Why did he hate the name Vernon? I don't know. He really loathed it. (laughs) Mm. Like he would not use it. He was just Carl V. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, maybe people said "Hey Vern" to him a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like Ernest. <laughs> oh, I have some uh, some trivia things that happened in 1935. Okay, to, you know, well, yeah. Uh, let's so, let's talk about 1935. What was going on in the country at the time in America? The first the first canned beer was in 1985. <laughs> Babe Ruth's last game. Mm. Was in 1935. Monopoly came out in 1935. Oh, that game sucks. Uh, the Social Security started. started? Yes, started oh. in 1935, and it was the Dust Bowl. So, like, whenever you see like pictures yeah. of like yeah. poor people looking desperate and right. like staring off to the distance, <laughs> right? You know, that's that's the the era of American history that Elvis 
was born into. Right. They, they didn't they didn't have canned beer yet. Babe Ruth <laughs> was stop stopping to play and everybody was poor. Yeah. So kind and of dirty. like yes, and they poor did lots and of, very dirty. They did lots of sharecropping his family did. They went on and off here and there. Yeah. I mean it, it's it's um Tupelo is kind of in like the very close to the Mississippi River, if I remember correctly, right? Isn't it? I'm not good at geography. I would have to look at the map, but you know, it's it's in that area of Mississippi where you know, old timey plantation. You know, few people own most of the land, and you know, uh, poor blacks and poor whites kind of like have to tough it out. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, the shotgun shack that he was born in was very similar to uh, poor black families in the area. Yeah, yeah. You know, just. A bunch of poor people surviving basically as American serfs on giant, you know, mid julep drinking, white suited <laughs> Colonel Sanders type guys land. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. So it was rough. Um, and o- over the years, you know, his mom would work on and a Gladys. Um, Gladys would work on and off here and there. Um, when his dad went to jail, you know, that's when he and Gladys got even closer because they only had each other, you yeah. know. Um and, you know, there are theories about why she never had more kids. But I think I think the one that's probably most accurate is that she was terrified because she had a stillborn. And that was traumatic uh, and probably yeah. didn't want to take a risk or have more kids. Well, plus, she was working all the time and it just hadn't. Vernon couldn't keep a yeah, job. Vernon Vernon was in jail. Right. Um, oh, and an asshole. Also, yeah. An, another, just, another thing about Vernon, um, he did get work. Um, at the, for the WPA, which is a government works program created out of the New Deal. So, oh, okay. So, is that the one where he built an internment camp? Y- no, that was later. Oh, that was later. Oh, because yes. I, I think that was uh, freaking terrible. Yeah, he worked. Uh, worked. Yes, that was outside of Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, yeah. When they moved to Memphis later, one of his jobs was like a government job or whatever. Yeah, building was, an internment camp. Yeah, yeah pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Shady so American for, history. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the for the Japanese, not for like Axis war prisoners, right? Is that correct? Right, right. It's for Jap um Japanese, Japanese Americans. Americans. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So effed up. Yes. Um Yeah, so things were very rough and finally they get an opportunity and they move to Memphis. Um so when Memphis was young also in mm-hmm. Tupelo, he used to sneak into uh black churches. That was more Memphis. You sure? Yeah, because like he was like eleven when they moved to Memphis. No, he wasn't. How old was he? He was thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, okay. Thirteen, so fourteen. Close. Yeah. Right, right, right. He, he, they moved to Memphis in nineteen forty-eight. Right. Mike's got like the dates. Like, and I'm going <laughs> to apologize to the audience again because I have a lot of brain farts. I'm just going to blame if, it on if mom you want, brain. If you want, I have an eight-month-old. If you so want facts. I, <laughs> You've come to the wrong place. <laughs> you went loosely based gossip. Yes. You have come to the yeah. right this place. Po- we're, we're all about hearsay here at Jumpsuit Swagger. If we've heard it, we're going to repeat it. So <laughs> Just tweet at us at Jumpsuit Swagger. Yeah, and tell us we're wrong. JumpsuitSwagger at gmail.com. feed us other lies. Yeah, we love lies. Especially like the more interesting, the better. So if you can convince us. I heard Elvis had six toes on one foot. <laughs> I, anything's possible, folks. <laughs> and it was subsumed from his the juices of his twin. There you oh, go. Gross. <laughs> uh, twin juice. Twin juice. <laughs> oh, nasty. <laughs> Cut this part out. So, I mean, <laughs> Let's offend so, everyone. So, um, okay, so they moved to Memphis when he was 13. I'm pretty sure he snuck in a jet, black churches when he lived in Memphis, but it could have been Tupelo. 
I I mean I read I read Tupelo. You read Tupelo. No, I'm pretty sure. Black yes. <laughs> yes. I just knocked over my microphone. Oh, okay, cool. So that's gonna sound like funny. right into the booth. Yeah, that'll that's gonna sound of smacking. That's food. gonna sound yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies if anybody had their their stereos turned up. So yeah, he, he moved in Memphis in 1948. Mm. Um, He's much better with the time dates. I'm terrible with dates. Well, and I just I just wanted to see what was going on, what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Generally. So right, right, right. So Mike's trying to contextualize. So like, you know, for Lauren, the listeners, like it was just a really shitty time <laughs> for his family, and just you know, he was always like, you know, wanted to be uh, you know the hero and save his and pay for things for his mom, you know, because he saw how hard his mom worked. You know, she worked in like sewing you know, factories and stuff like that here and there. And, you know, it was definitely a goal. He wrote lots of Captain Marvel comics when he was a kid and he just wanted to be like, save everybody, save, you know, family. save the family. Yeah, pretty much. So, so that was. Elvis was blonde when he was young too. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he has Sandy. For, has for, Sandy for a long hair. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did he have time to learn guitar? On his 11th birthday, he got his first guitar. Um, Same. <laughs> Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think he had that guitar for like... <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, like, until he... my first guitar. Like, yeah. when he was like, after his stuff, like, That's All Right Mama came out and everything, he was playing it. He was on still it playing like a, kid's, like, like a kid's... Like a kid's guitar, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's still... That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, well, you know. He, 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 so he took it to him. Um, he got for his birthday from his mom. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... When they moved to Memphis, he lived in... Um, Public housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lived in Lauderdale, of course. So they moved to Memphis. Mm. Um, and um, he goes to Hume's High School. Um, and they're, yeah, they're living in public housing mm-hmm. and stuff. He gets his first guitar. He's really into music. He's always been into music. You know, there's lots of like tales, family tales about him going up front and singing with the choir at church and stuff. But mm-hmm. other family members like that didn't happen. So, you know, it's lots mm. of. Well, there, one thing that he did do when he lived at Tupelo was sing that old Shep song. Was oh. that Tupelo or Memphis? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, it was one place. So in a place, See, this he went is why said, we have phones. We fact check. <laughs> that way we're not giving people wrong information. So, while, while you're fact checking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some, I'm going to say some interesting things about um, Memphis at that time. So um, Elvis, when he, uh, he went, he grew up in uh, Lauderdale Courts when he was a teenager in Memphis, right? It's about a 22 Okay, you're minute. right. It was... Wait. Cool. Okay. So <laughs> it was about it was about a 22-minute walk from Beale Street. I don't know if you're familiar with Beale Street. I'm unfamiliar. Beale Street was a the black entertainment district in Memphis. It was oh. where basically uh, um, Mrs. Delta Blues came out and was played in a big city setting. Okay. We were both kind of right. So in 1945, <laughs> like he sang Old Shep at age 10 for his first, first public performance uh-huh. at a singing contest at the Mississippi Alabama Fair and Dairy Show. And then later, the Dairy Show at That's 16, <laughs> at 16, he performed it for a talent show at Humes High, uh, where he was a student. Which one did he win fifth place? That was the that was the Alabama. Mississippi, Alabama Fair and Dairy Show. Okay, yeah. You See, know? that's the one I was remembering. Yeah, I was yeah, remembering yeah, the, yeah. The Dairy they Show. Lived in, yeah, that's funny because they lived in Tupelo at the time, but they were at the Dairy. Elvis loved that old Shep song. 
It's basically Old Yeller, oh, the song. It's so sad. It's yeah, so freaking sad. It, it really is. It's like, it's like, I think they based. Rip. Do you, do you want yeller. me to, I'll give you the, the lyrics real quick. So like, when I was a lad, an old, and old Shep was a pup over hills and meadows, we'd stray. Just a boy and his dog. We were both full of fun. We grew together that way. Okay, I'm and already then, crying. Okay, yeah. And then so then <laughs> by the end. Stop. Okay, yeah. Old Shep doesn't make it out <laughs> a <Yeah>. lot. So <laughs> yeah. you know there's a website that you can check. It's called like uh Does the Dog Die? <laughs> and you could check to see if in the movie if the dog dies. So if they do, you don't have to watch it. Oh, thank God. Yeah, if yeah. you like see a movie and you're like, Oh, there's Dang. a dog in this, then you can check doing, it. Doing doing the Lloyd's Lord's work. Uh, and also right. the Lloyd's work. <laughs> also the Lloyd's right. work. <laughs> uh, Lloyd. oh, but um Sorry, Bill okay. Street. Yes. Right. Bill okay, Street. so they moved to Memphis. Yeah, we're okay. in Memphis yes. now. He lived about 22 minutes from Bill Street, like a walk, walking distance. So he would like go down and like sneak into like black clubs or like stand at the door and listen and try to convince them, uh, them to let him in because he was like listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, also, interestingly enough, um, the first black radio station in America played music for African-Americans by African-Americans was in Memphis, WDIA. And it started in 1947, which was the year before Elvis moved to Memphis. So it's a good chance that, you know, he was among the first people, white people in America listening to black radio, like being exposed to this music, you know, which here, you know, until then had kind of been isolated from uh, white people. So he he was one of the first who got actually a, a lot of exposure to this type of music. Yeah. He would also um, sneak into the zoo to listen. They had the orchestra. The Memphis Orchestra would play at the zoo. Hmm. And he would sneak in to go, like, listen to the, like, classical music. Like, he was just... As, as the older he got, he just, like, was obsessed. Like, he, just you know... into music. Just, that was his passion. That was his love. That's all he really cared about was music and, you know, and playing and, like, learning more and, like, always wanting to know more. And he apparently... You know, everything I've read is that, like, his musical intuition and his ability to remember remember everything he could just remember like lyrics to like you know dozens and dozens of songs just like and be able to sing them like straight out like very like very impressive that was just he just that's the way his mind worked he was he fucking loved music mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, he fucking loved music it was a very interesting time he moved to memphis too because memphis was at the tail end of this huge population explosion it went from about a hundred thousand people in 1910 to almost four hundred thousand people in 1950 by the time elvis was there so in 40 years it quadrupled in population i was memphis so hot Memphis was was hot because of uh, wartime industry uh, in the Upton area where Lauderdale Courts was. There was a lot of um, of factories going in, and that's one maybe one of the reasons why Vernon moved the family to Memphis was to find work right. in those factories. Yep. There was more work um, there. There was a um, a Firestone Tire plant. Um, which is, I think, where Scotty Moore was working. Yes. Um, who who was Elvis's guitarist for the. Um, Sun Sessions. For the Sun Sessions. So, like, you, you know, uh, and there was a there was National Biscuit, which I found out is a thing, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Like a, a biscuit factory that people would work in. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So it's kind of funny. Like, this area used to be the fancy area of Memphis. And then all the all, all these poor white people and black people were moving in to work in these factories. And the, and the rich people were like, we're out of here. Hmm. And because they were setting up, you know, liquor stores and juke joints and bars. So it was kind of like this God, happening, working in class. Right, right. 
right. like music going on, right, you know what right. I mean? Real busy, like kind of like an interesting melting pot because um, the Mississippi Delta area actually is is still one of the uh, blackest regions of the country. So there was this, you know, very much, you know, not integration, right? But like white people and black people lived very much in close proximity um, at that time. So there was a very interesting time and uh, mixing and melding of cultures. So, um, yeah, it's, and it's interesting that, um, you know, all the people who worked with Elvis on the sun sessions, which we're going to talk about in a, in a bit, all those guys, uh, were working class people. Uh, I think, you know, um, his bassist worked at a haberdasher shop. He like formed up hats, you know, so there was no like high profile producer, uh, agent, yeah. well, manager. It's, it's interesting. Uh, we'll talk about Sam Phillips, uh, when Valerie gets back, but I think we're going to pause here and just break, baby break. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you have any like questions or anything? You, you know, I know we're kind of like lecturing basically you <laughs> on Elvis. I'm learning so much. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's interesting to you or, or not. Um, it definitely paints a picture. So what year was Elvis born? 1935. Okay. So between the First World War and the Second World Yes, War. during the Great Depression. Got it. So it's it's also interesting to think, um, you know, when you talk, when you think about Elvis's later experience, like being kind of pro-war and like, you know, pro-Vietnam and everything, it's interesting to look back and realize that when the when the First World War was going on, he was between like six years old and like 11 years old. So or it was second world war was going on. He was between six and 11 years old, which is like really impressionable time. Yeah. And you could just get pumped full of patriotism. Oh yeah. You know? So, it's you know, like, yeah, world of time. Yeah. You know, saving but, the world. Yeah. War. In, in addition to that, you know, he was in the military. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, he was wrong about Vietnam. Right. But at the same time, like you could kind of see how a person gets shaped Mm -hmm. And 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 why they'd be so patriotic and like blindly pro-war because they were raised during probably one of the most patriotic times in American history where it was give everything towards the war. And, you know, then when you're 1920, you get shipped not older than that, but you get shipped off to the military. Yeah. But, oh, other interesting trivia uh, in 1948, the year uh, Elvis um, moved to Memphis. Uh, there was the first monkey astronaut. His name was <laughs> Albert the first. Aww. He did not return to earth. <gasps> Probably. I don't know. I just assume. Yeah. I don't think they went out of their way to recover monkeys. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's yeah. really sad. Oh, what kind of monkey do you think he was? Probably mm. chimp, right? Chimp. Chimp. Which is weird because is he's, he... chimps are monkeys. They're apes. What's that? Did he just orbit forever till he died, or I think they just shot him Earth? off into space, and so he, he just, just like, like traveled indefinitely. Through I think there's space a chimp. There's, I think there's a, to death there's a chimp skeleton out there. Yeah, I think capsule. so. Yeah, I want to say <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, or or, or, or no like wonder. a monkey. No wonder when aliens come to invade this planet. They're going to be mean because they're going to be like, you sent a fucking monkey into space to die and we found him and we found his DNA and we cloned we're, him. We brought him back to life and now we have Planet of the Apes based on his DNA and we're going to kill you. They're like clone the, the whole army of Alberts. Yes. Albert. The, <laughs> and he you know. comes back for his revenge because we're dicks. 
Agreed. All right. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Okay. So. Welcome back, Valerie. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Population explosion. Oh, yeah. I was talking about the factories and things. That's right. right, right where, right, like, yeah. Scotty Moore. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to edit this. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's So a, just for the, for the audience, I walked away. And then I came back. Yeah. We had some baby problems. But it's okay now. Mm. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so where are we? So he moves to Memphis. His family, you know, um, his mom gets a job. He starts going to high school. Where does she work? She worked at a sewing place. As various, you know, they were, yeah, they were, they were both had various, like, Odd small, job. yeah. D- like, during the break, uh, Laura asked how old Gladys was when she had Elvis. The answer to that question is 24. Okay. So. So she was a late bloomer for the time. For the time, yes. Also, interestingly enough, um, Gladys, at various points in her life, looks very much like Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> really? Yeah, here I'll show you a picture. You want to yeah. look at a see a picture of Gladys? This makes great podcasting. <laughs> so, well, if people we'll are post the picture on our Twitter. Yeah. Check it out <laughs> at Jumpsuit Swagger. There we go. Oh yeah, because oh yeah, because Valerie. Valerie wow, um, she looks eerily like Rosie. Yeah, yeah, she? It's, it's crazy, right? And she looks like a hard ass bitch. Like, oh, I would yeah. not cross her in any way. No, she's tough. They were a very matriarchal family. Like, so I was saying her mom was bedridden. She had some like old timey disease. I don't remember what it was. And like, like she, consumption or something. Yeah, something. Sure. She just looks bored. Dropsy. <laughs> she looks yeah. like she cannot be bothered with this picture. Yeah. Well, she was probably pissed that Elvis was getting famous. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so she, um, her grandma, I think her name was Dot or something like that. But basically, she ran the household from her bed. Like, their family, the women, you <laughs> did not fuck with those family. And that's where Elvis gets her, got his temper from, was from his mom. I'm basically like, imagining, like, Gladys. like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> or, no, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Willy Wonka, and, yeah, yes, yeah. Or yes. Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I, I think I, it started I, as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, that's what the book yes. is called. Yeah, but I'm talking about the movie where everybody's in the bed. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Four it, grandparents in the bed. Except for, like, they're, the grandparents are more take charge instead of passive yeah uh, that's like uh, that's grandpa joe all of a sudden he can run around yeah okay because he got that joe. golden ticket to the factory yeah yeah, 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 yeah. we're yeah. not gonna get into it grandpa. i think he just didn't want to do work <laughs> and he's like oh man Agreed. i'm bedridden yeah yeah Lazy. based on the movie God, how easily it. it was for him to walk yeah it's probably he's, on the probably on the dole right it, right i'm Come sure on. he was like getting up and walking around when the mom was at work and shit like <sighs> grandpa joe that. yeah fucked up Anyway, so Laura was wondering uh-huh. about um, I was t- saying about uh, how everyone uh, was kind of working class, you know, Scotty Moore and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, DJ, DJ Fontana, the drummer, was kind of a studio guy. But right. But the other two guys, um, I can't remember the. Th- Bill Black was yes. on base. Well, sunset, yes. D- DJ Fontana wasn't there for the sun sessions. He was oh, after. later. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Season. See, we're talking about all this stuff before Laura, but we haven't explained uh, any okay. of it. Or so, the audience. People so, don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, okay. okay. So Laura was sun wondering, sessions. like, who, yeah, who is this producer? Okay. Right. Who is okay. The, who so is we the... haven't gotten there yet. Let's talk about high school. Yes. Real quick. Yes, ma'am. Elvis was very unpopular. He had girls. <laughs> was Elvis bullied? Yes. Like girls would joke and be like, "Oh yeah, well Elvis Presley likes you," you know. Oh, like, so it was like the bad one. Yeah, like it was, would be oh. like in this scenario, the three of us would be like, "Mike likes you." <laughs> Ew, uh, gross. <laughs> yeah, like you got the dud. Basically, yeah. Elvis yeah. was the dud. He Aww. was well. He was a weirdo, so he dressed in flashy clothes. Like he would go shop. He, you know, he he couldn't yeah. afford a lot of the stuff on Beale Street, but when he could make money, he would. Mm. Um. 
And he, you know, had a big, long, greasy hair and had a ducktail and was like the wild one. And he was the, he was really poor. So he was a lower class, you know, so he was like this poor weirdo that, you know, the football team beat up and Red West came in and rescued him because Red West is awesome. And mm. um, he later became like part of his Memphis Mafia, right? And him went to high school together. George Klein went to high school with him. Um you know, the, he has people that are later in life that will mention, and you know, you know, they're still around George Klein still. So hosts. they were friends with him before he was famous and mm-hmm. had money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just stuck around because, well, I think <laughs> there's different reasons. They didn't have anything else to do, or yeah. well, Red West. I mean, he wrote music and stuff too. He he, you know, got into the business. So. Yeah, was Lamar Fike uh, part part of uh, the? I don't think he was early days. I think Lamar came on post Louisiana Hair Ride. Oh, but again, fair um, enough. To the audience, I'm sorry if my timeline's messed up. We're jumping around. (laughs) We are. This is disorganized and, and, um, (laughs) frankly... You know, it, we're going to do what we can. It's, yeah. it's, it's well, and just again, in my defense, I have an eight month old. <laughs> it's going to mm. be just my I'm going to be saying that in three years. <laughs> in my defense, I have a child, so I'm stupid. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, All right. All right. So, so anyway, so high school. Yeah. So he's incredibly I mean, so he is, though, I will say this. He is the guitar guy. So he would bring the guitar around with him. Mm. And like the parties anyway, yeah. here's here's Wonderwall, whatever, or here's my happiness or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and but he wasn't like he had to be like talked into it. He was still very shy. Like, you know, Elvis in general had a bit of an inferiority complex because he came from like a, you know, a poor background, lower class, all of this. And so, you know, he had a lot of confidence. He was still very shy. Like, even though he had his guitar, he like, had a stutter, he, right? Yeah, he has a little bit of a stutter. I mean, he has it, you know, later, too. You can kind of tell he has. Yeah, so he, you know, and he warmed up over the years, obviously. And then he started performing, and he kind of had to. And that's where he found his groove, you know. Um, but even, like, but granted, what 17-year-old, you know, student, you know, high schooler is, like, that confident? Like, you know, he was not, I just want to emphasize, he was just not an arrogant, like, hey, everybody look at me. He was like okay, I'll play guitar, you know, like he would enjoy it, but he was also like, had to be talked into it kind of thing. Like Dixie, his girlfriend right after out of high school, like she had to like sometimes nudge him into playing in front of people. Uh, but he would change the lyrics to songs, which he does later in concert. We'll, sh- we'll play later 70s music for you. And he like, he likes to joke around and make jokes in the middle of the songs yeah. and like change the lyrics in a funny yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a very jokey guy, <laughs> even <laughs> when he shouldn't be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he um, starts, yeah, he started taking guitar lessons. So at this point, like, once he gets into high school, he's, you know, um, musically, you know, he's getting better. He's, you know, playing more guitar. He's taking lessons, I think, with um, a church a priest. I don't remember if it was pastor or priest. I don't church know. Church priest. How to get yeah, paid some, for the lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some religious dude. Mm. I don't know the difference between a pastor and a priest. Are they the same thing? No. If you're Catholic, it's a priest. Oh, okay. Other people are pastors okay, or so reverends. I think those are the same. As a pastor then. Those are like, like Protestant people. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Protestant priests. So yeah. pastors. And, okay. And so <laughs> many P words. And there's like, there was like seven Catholics in the South. So, <laughs> you know, they were definitely not Catholic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he put, he does, he does the, the high school. Um, so we're talking about the high school, um, Talent show. talent show. It is a talent show and people like him, you know, he gets, you know, he gets some support, but in general, you know, he's kind of the, he's ostracized like let's be real he's 
the poor kid who wears his hair long and wears pink clothes. You know, that was yes. not a thing. <laughs> Do you think Elvis was gay? No. Bisexual? Not, I mean, I guess it's possible. I don't think so. I've never read. Yeah, anything's possible, I suppose. I mean, it, it's it's just, uh, I, I don't think there's any evidence, you know, to, yeah, you know, any, where, where he would have had a relationship with a with a no. man. Or, In fact, I'm pretty sure, and I, I need to look it up, um, but there was an incident where, like, an officer made a pass at him when he was in the military, and he got really oh. upset about it. Mm. So, um, I don't, I think the guy, I don't, yeah, I, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I, that's, that's I'll interesting. Make a note, I, yeah, I'll make a note of I'd be that. curious about that, because uh, nothing, nothing I've read would indicate that, but I think there, among, let's say there's a, a, a probably a vested interest in, um, probably n- not exposing that if there was any evidence anyway right, right. but I, I, but i but i don't pretty think sure he's there. a straight dude he yeah. really liked women okay yeah he was just a little he flamboyant was, yeah he was just fun yeah he just was flamboyant and yeah he also, just a mama's boy you yeah know? he was a mama's boy he was flamboyant and he also like you know explored black culture a lot in a time when that's not what white people did yeah so you know you know black musicians might you know wear more garish clothing or brighter colors and things like that and he's you know again like influenced by that and and his persona and figuring out who he is and defining he, who he is as a teenager, you know, mm. as we all do. We all wore things in high school that we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I went to school naked once. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I was like, this is, I think this is who this I is am. Who I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're like, yes, but you can't do that. And I said, okay. Yes, and then they arrested me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so then, so he graduates high school. We're, we're skimming over. I'm just going to point this out. We're skimming over a lot. Um, and I highly recommend the book by Peter Gerolnik. Um, for anyone who's listening, Last Train to, Adam, Last Train to Memphis. I yeah, I highly recommend, recommend this book that I cannot remember. Yes. yes. <laughs> highly recommend it. <laughs> um, uh, Last Train to Memphis. That was right by Peter Gerolnik. Last Train to Memphis or out of Memphis? To Memphis. You said out of Last train of Memphis. <laughs> Last train about Memphis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, Peter Peter Garelnick. Anyways, so if you want to read more, I highly recommend his book. It's very, it's a lot meatier. We're kind of skipping over a lot of stuff because mm. there's just so much to cover. I was telling Mike earlier, I was like, we should just make this three episodes, but mm. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll go back if people really give a shit about us and want to hear well, what we well, have to say. Well, then we'll come back. Well, to well this. yeah, I, I think I think that um, you know, there's. I'll, we can make as many episodes as we want. If we want to revisit some of this stuff later, we can. Right, right. Okay. So he goes, he graduates high school and he gets a job at Crown Electric. He got another job first and then he got a job at Crown Electric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like doing, thinking about doing an apprenticeship to be an electrician, but it's like really hard and he's kind of, you know, working that. But in the meantime, he finds out about Sun Records. So Sun Records is um, a recording studio in Memphis. And the owner is Sam Phillips. And Sam Phillips really... Let's give some background. Sam Phillips is the man. Yes. Like, Sam Phillips is a great guy. One of the best guys, like, in the music industry in America, like, probably ever. Like, a very good person. So, essentially, what happened with Sam Phillips, his backstory is he wanted to be a lawyer um, and... 
basically def- like be a public defender for black people. Like he was like, I, you know, he cared about the little person, you know, he cared about people who were impoverished and not just, you know, not just blacks, but in that time, that's who it was. Voice of the voiceless. Um, voiceless. Yes, voice of the voiceless. That's who Sam Phillips wanted to be. Um, and his dad got sick and died while he was in high school. So he had to take over. And so he couldn't go to, you know, go, go off to college and become a lawyer and everything. So he also loved music and he was friends with Dewey Phillips and et cetera, et cetera. Again, there's a, <laughs> there are biographies out there on Sam Phillips. We're really skimming it out over. <laughs> um, he started the studio and basically recorded black artists. Like he was, which is again, unheard of this white guy opening a studio in like, you know, the 19 late forties, early fifties and bussing in, black artists. So mm-hmm. Ellis finds out about Sun Studios in a newspaper article about Sam Phillips um buses in from work re- on like a work release term from the from the jail or prison. I don't know if it was jail or prison. The ink spot or no, the um the ink spots that's a different band. Um the prisoners. Yes. Which is a group of black men in prison who like had formed their own band and he gets permission from the warden to bring them into sun records and record an like cut an album for them. Mm -hmm. So like he's really not making money. (laughs) Like he's not. Yeah. I mean, it it was kind of like, uh, you you know, um, those karaoke bars kind of that like people can like stop in like a single room and like you go and you sing and Uh you leave. Right. This is like that except for you cut a record. You know what I mean? So right, right. Yeah, people, yeah, people right. come in off the street and like, okay, you want to record a record. But it's it's more expensive because you could also do that. There were like booths and stuff you could do. Like there were shops that had like record booths where you could go and like 10 cents or whatever, mm. record an album. This was nicer because it was a professional studio. Oh. Even so much as raised the platform where the musicians sang. Um, normally the producers like hire. He actually raised it so they were on the same level. Oh. Like that's how you know, conscious he was of just the industry and how it treated me, you know, just all of that, like very, just a good person. Yeah. I don't know. yeah he, like rec- he, he recorded everybody and was like, kind of like looking for this kind of like a new sound, like a fusion right. between like, you know, like, you know, there was this big influx influx in Memphis of all these white working class people. And, you know, there, there was that heavy, you know, uh, tradition of Delta blues, black music. Mm-hmm. And Tim Phillips was kind of like, there's gotta be some kind of like way, you know, a new sound emerging here. Right. Right. And so he, and he's kind of looking for revolution. You know, he does care. He cares a lot about civil rights and things like that, that again, m- most people, white dudes in the South don't give a shit about. And, um, he was, you know, really aware of that and, you know, um, really just just cared, you know, he gave a shit. And so Elvis comes in. So the way it happens, so Elvis reads about the studio, right? And he's like, at this point, he's like 18. Where does he read about it? A newspaper? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They like did an article about these prisoners coming in and recording. And he was like, oh. So he just like casually, you know, strolls in and was like, you know, I want to record an album. Like very shy, very like, you know, he's a kid. Um, How old was he? 18. 18. 18. Yeah. Um, And so Marianne Keister, I think it's Keister, she is the um, secretary there. Um, Sorry. (laughs) And so she, you know, he cuts, he, he pays and he does his own demo and stuff. And like later interviews, he says, you know, he did it for his mom for a gift and stuff. But like, it's interesting because like, Probably not. He's probably looking to be discovered at this point. Like he cares about music. This Mm. is his passion. You know, he, 
If he did that, he could have gone to one of those dime store ones recording booths. He didn't have to go to a real recording studio to record demos, you know? And I I was reading that, like, Sam Phillips was asking, you know, what do you sound like? You know, what's your sound? He's like, I don't sound like anybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, you play this. And he's like, yeah, I I play that. And uh, so you sound like this. He's like, I don't sound like anybody. Right, right. So I'm a, new, I'm a new thing. Yeah. And so he records a few demos, like over, he records, I think, four. So My Happiness is the first thing he records. And actually, I think I was reading the other day that te- that Jack White owns My Happiness. He owns the original cut. He bought it. That's pretty <laughs> like cool. Like an auction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A I couple mean, that, years ago. That, yeah. That's music. That's music history. That's yeah. The, the, fir- yeah, exactly. the first song Elvis ever recorded. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's July cool. 1953. So you're looking at summer of 1953. He's 18. He's working at Crown mm. Electric and he's trying to kind of like, and he would come by the studio all the time, just like chat with Marianne or Marianne and like, you know, just kind of like, what's going on? Any bands looking for lead singers? You know, things like that. Um, and he cut a couple more. Um, he cut three. He did three demos. Um, and then eventually the way it happens is like he goes in and let's see if I can remember this. Uh, <laughs> so essentially what happens is like the Starlight Wrangler. So. Um, what? The Starlight? <laughs> okay, the what, star- what, what's wait, going on? Back up. What does my happiness sound like? <laughs> I mean, I do. You asking me to sing it? <laughs> My happiness. No, I, I, we can play it for you here. Yeah, we, we, I'm, I'm actually going to. We're gonna. Well, I'll get to that. We're gonna take a break here in a few minutes, yeah, so and I, we're gonna play music for you because okay. because this is this is not this is not songs that Elvis wrote. These are songs that Elvis was covering, right? right and because, but he was covering them in a very different style, right? Um, than they were originally. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, like, he's coming in and doing ballads and stuff. And, like, at first, Sam Phillips was like, eh, he doesn't seem to be anything special, right? Yeah, he's a good ballad singer. Yeah, he's a good ballad singer, but, you know. And then he invites him to come and sing with um, Bill Black and Scotty Moore, these two other guys. And they kind of already knew each other. I think um, Elvis knew Scotty Moore, I think, mm. like, tangentially. Like, they had met at other events and things. Mm. You know, it's still kind of a small community, even though there's a lot of people. But the music industry, you know, you kind of just get to know the people. Um so, yeah, they, like, invite him. So, oh, that's what I was saying. Scotty Moore and Bill Black were in the Starlight Wranglers. Ah. Uh, that was their band. There you go. Yeah. So, one day they're just, you know, fooling around. And basically they, like, invite Sam Phillips. Is like, come on, Elvis. Like, you know, why don't you try out? You know? And he was, like, nervous as hell because he's 19. You know? And these guys are, like, actual, I mean, musicians part-time, you know, doing club stuff. And, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he, he had been kind of, like you know, stopping in a lot, you know, just here and there, like, you know, looking at the, just look, standing looking at the around, floor. waiting for his chance. Yeah, like, basically. Uh, hey, like, you guys need, like, a singer yeah. or anything? Have you heard anything? Like, just very, like, <laughs> shy, very polite, you know, he's very, like, yes ma'am, no ma'am kind of guy, like, you know, and so um, they bring him in and they do a recording and it's like, nah, we don't know. I don't remember what they were, I think they recorded, um... Probably I'll never stand in your way. Oh, no, wait. It would be. I love you because. That's right. Yeah. So they sing. They do. I love you because I think is the one that they cover. And it's like, nah. And then they come back and do it. Uh, wait, no. 
This is great. I'm totally podcasting. gonna edit some of this out. Yeah, this, this is this is amazing. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> they sing a song. I don't know. <laughs> so it's this is probably like, a good song. I don't know. So they come in and they like record Harbor Lights, and it's like, well, okay, and they keep trying. So basically, what happens is they they Elvis wants to cover "That's Alright, Mama." Which is by um, Arthur Crudup. Arthur Big Boy Crudup. So mm. R&B musician. And he kind of like starts to speed it up and they kind of like start fooling around and Bill Black gets kind of crazy on the bass. And like basically they find this weird sound that's like never happened before. Like it's or it has because uh, Arthur Crudup's like version is very similar. But yeah. like there's definitely... There's something going on. Like there's, you know, it's late at night. They're like sitting around drinking Coca-Cola's, like trying to find something. At you this know. point in time, did Coca-Cola still have Coke in it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Unlikely. In <laughs> the fifties. In the fifties. Probably not in the fifties. Okay. I don't know. But so yeah. there was energy in the they room. They just drank a lot of Coke back in the fifties, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So there's a lot of energy and just like they're exhausted, but they're also trying to find this thing. And like, this is when Sam Phillips is like, this is the revolution. Like Sam Phillips is listening and seeing this. He's like, this is the revolution I've been waiting for that we've been waiting for musically. This is like, and this is what he's wanted. He's wanted something that's going to, you know, make a difference, you know, make society societal changes or, or just make a difference in music, you know? Um, so, I'm going to take a break right here. And this is what I'm going to, we're going to listen to. So if you go on to Spotify we have jumpsuit swagger, you can find us You can just search us on Spotify and we have two playlists. So one is hits from 1953. So that's the year before this happened. So this is the year, you know, this is what's going on musically in the country. Hmm. Um, okay. As far as white people music is concerned, because obviously they're very segregated um, still at that time. Hmm. So this is what white people would be exposed to. Um, and then I have a second playlist, which is the cover, the originals and the covers that Elvis did in the sun sessions. So like so they cover. So in the sun sessions, they do. Um, That's right. Mama Harbor Lights There are several songs. Um, they decide the the B side of this is going to be um, Blue Moon. Um, over Kentucky, which is a Bill Monroe song. It's very classic. Um, yeah, it's a classic kind of bluegrass standard. Yeah, hillbilly music is what it was called. Yes. Because at the time, like, hillbilly was a category. Like, mm. it was like, yeah, <laughs> this is you, hillbilly yeah, music. Yeah, what do you play? I play hillbilly music. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, that was a thing. <laughs> like, yes. you went to hillbilly shows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like... There was country western music too. I think is what they called it in Nashville. But like, well, that's what the that's what the fancy people at the Grand Ole Opry, you know, the, right, the right, kind right. of the, the older old crowd, you know, that would go to the Opry. Right. Uh, that's what they would listen to country western music. Right. Right. So it was, you know, music at the time was like basically like lots of ballads, crooning, hillbilly, and like some bluegrassy. But bluegrass wasn't classified then at the time. Um, I guess it probably was under the hillbilly. <laughs> umbrella yeah umbrella. <laughs> it was a big tent big tent genre <laughs> right right you know <laughs> so um so yeah so what happens is they record these songs and they're like we've got something we've got something so sam phillips sends it over to dewey phillips and plays it dewey phillips is a friend of his that works he's a very famous also DJ. No, no relation right yeah no relation <laughs> i know like i was really confused when i like back in the day, I always thought they were like brothers or something. They were not. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no relation. But um, so Dewey Phillips is like, you know, I, you've got this is this is interesting. And he has a huge, you know, huge following. Um, 
in Memphis and he plays it and he mm-hmm. plays the record like six times overnight. He just plays it nonstop and the phones are going off and it's like yeah. switchboard lights up. Yeah. Literally like, um, Elvis went when he knew that Dewey Phillips the next day, Dewey was going to play it on a show and Elvis went to the movies cause he was so <laughs> nervous about it. Like he was just so like, now what movie did he go see? Do we know? I don't know. Cause that would be kind of interesting to know. It's probably in a book somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> We can, we can Google wow, it. Wow, yeah. It's probably in a book. <laughs> we'll Google it. <laughs> anyway, so so we're going to take a break here. We're going to go listen to the hits of the 1953. I was putting this playlist together, and I was like, Jesus, music sucked back then. <laughs> like, it was just, I mean, not all of it sucked, but a lot of it was garbage. All right. Oh, uh, to be continued, we're going to take a break right now. Okay. Now we're recording again. Okay. So we're back. And we've listened to the 1953 chart toppers. How much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> that's more. You know, the classics. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's more is a good song. That's a, that but, is but an actual classic. That, right, I, right. I don't think I can ever eat pizza without at least having it, <laughs> it in my head. It sounded very Snow White to me. When did Snow White come out? Like the 1930s. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it was a depression. That was a depression era okay. uh, Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded very it, snowy. It's funny that you mentioned that, like or like or like Bambi, like kind of like that crooning, like oh, right, 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 like big choruses behind them, yeah, yeah, yeah. like very, yeah, lots, of, you know, trumpets and things, you know, like lots of. Mm. Like the beginning of an old cartoon you'd hear. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting fact during the sun sessions, um, one of their songs they sang is, um, no, I'm going to have to figure out which one it is. I did this earlier, didn't I? Yes, you did. I'll never let you go. No, it's, um, no, it's it's the one about, uh, yes. So I'll get my love in the evening time. Yes. So that song was actually written for Cinderella. (laughs) So yeah. one of the songs covered in the Sun Sessions, we didn't play it for you just now, but yeah, it actually was originally written for the movie Cinderella. For a long time. That was my favorite Disney movie. Really? Well, that song is very X-rated. You've never seen. <laughs> oh. No, I had Cinderella on VHS. Oh, you had Cinderella. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't seen Snow White until we watched it. We I didn't. Think. We, know, we never seen uh, Snow so White. So I've never seen Snow White. Yeah. She hadn't seen Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. I hadn't seen that. I had a, I had a spotty. Sleeping Beauty was a... Uh, I like the way the dragon. (laughs) That's garbage because I really like the way the dragon was animated. Okay. Whatever. For me, it was was good. I like the fairies. They're cool. I don't know. I don't like cool. It wasn't memorable for me. Okay. What's the And I don't like the spindle. I think that that is awful. It it creeped you out. You were. I I just don't like it. Like, why is that point? Yeah. Why is that a plot point? You know, you know, they didn't write that. Like for that movie, that's it's, it's a fairy tale, and that's it was just a poorly written fairy tale. You yeah, think? Okay. I think it was just a shitty fairy tale <laughs> that got made into a shitty Disney movie. Anyone feels differently, come at me, mm. Mike. Go, claw our eyes out. You know, I, we'll we'll talk about this offline. Okay. This is about Elvis. Okay, I, yeah, I don't back to hurt her. so we just listened to 1953 and the music that was being was being put out there on white radio at the time. Yep. Um, and then we played um, a couple songs for, well, you can look at the playlist on Spotify, but um, a couple ver- um, originals and then Elvis's versions of them, like Blue Moon of Kentucky and That's All Right Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? So feelings, thoughts, uh, like can you thoughts, tell the first difference? First impressions, like, 
Elvis sings a little higher pitch than I remember Elvis singing. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. He I feel like as he gets fatter, he develops this nice fat voice. <laughs> you know, and it just kind of like resonates more. You I know mean, what I mean? Yeah. And I also want to point out he was nineteen. He yeah. was a kid. He had zits. Like he was like he was a, a kid. Like Fresh. Oh, what the fuck was I doing when I was 19? Not recording like groundbreaking music, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm not trying to sound like really defensive of Elvis here, but like I'm just but saying you're, like, you're sounding kind of defensive of Elvis. <laughs> you know, high pitched voice, maybe because he was younger. Maybe. Well, it also could have been, you know, rec- the way it's the re- recorded, recorded it, right, right. or the sound that they were and looking it, for. Right. Yeah. And, and I think recording. a lot of it mm-hmm. also has to do with um, with. You know, as he grew as a musician, his range grew. Yeah. You know, he's still did a he, kid and trying to find ever, his voice. Like, did he ever go to a voice coach or, like, get voice lessons? Mm-mm. No. No. Self-taught no. Yep. vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. El- and, Elvis couldn't have afforded, like, a, vo- a voice coach <laughs> right, anyway. Right, right. Even, and I even like, think, as he got more famous, like... Well, you know, that would take away from what makes Elvis Elvis, right? I mean, yeah. maybe he did. I don't maybe know. Maybe he did. I, I, I have not Bieber read anything about him. I've never read coach. anything about him having a voice coach. Hmm. Okay. Ever. Maybe you, voice coaches weren't even a thing. You just had it or you didn't. Right. I don't, I don't know. I'm just so, saying. So the, so the, the two of the ones we played were the uh, A side of his big, big, first big hit, which is That's right. All Right Mama, which is very similar to the Arthur Crudup original. Right. Uh, in tempo. You know, and it just general feel. Yeah, right. both sound cool. Both have a coolness about. Yeah, them. yeah. And Blue Moon over Kentucky, uh, over Kentucky is just completely a different yeah. song. Yeah, Which, different. Lyric. Just different like tempo. Just yeah, he just takes, jazzed it up. Takes, it up. It's yeah. like he takes a a flavor of a song and just takes like that a little bit of it. Mm. Right, right. And he he had very strong intuition. You know, musically, every you know a lot of interviews I've read. I really hope that's not picking up. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's, what are you going to do? Nothing. So, you know, we can't edit this out, folks. So, sorry <laughs> about the background noise. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I should go up. And- it also sounded a little huh. gospel-y to me. Interesting like, you say that because yeah. that's Elvis's first love. Yeah, he, that's, yeah, gospel music is... Yeah, his jam like that. Yeah, that's that's what Elvis. That's Elvis's first love. Right, is like we were, gospel music. Like we were talking about, he would sneak into black churches and watch the gospel singers and stuff because it was just, you know, musically so much more intense than like the white churches. You know, yeah. like he like and he he followed like church musicians too, like who sang gospel. Like he tried to get into the black. I think the Blackwood Brothers is the name. Like he tried to get into that group and they turned him down um, when he was younger, like eighteen. Um, so he, you know, gospel was his love and it continued his love. I mean, he recorded many gospel albums. There's another one coming out. I was just reading today. There's one coming out next week or next month. It's never like been that. heard before. I'm not sure. Or it's, it's probably remastered? just remastered originals. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what How they, much right. more money can we make off of Elvis? Right. Exactly. Uh, you know? Yeah. A lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so um, yeah, that's sun, so, sun Sessions. So Sun Sessions, it's a big deal. So basically like literally overnight success like you know dewey phillips plays it on his show and then everybody's like flipping their shit you know like who is this guy like wanting to hear him and you know word spreads and everything that you know elvis is doing it so he joins the starlight wranglers um you know um so scotty moore and bill black good people um i think was it bill black who was like he wasn't a fan of him to begin with 
And because of like the way he dressed, he was like, he's so flashy, you know, like what's this, who's this guy, this weirdo coming in here, like dressed with his like pink shirts and Little duck tail. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like How the musician Elvis could be. <laughs> right? He had no idea. Mm. This was only the beginning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, again, musical historians will, you know, argue on who really created rock and roll, but like these, these musicians, like all of them together, it was just something you know, very magical about the situation and, and just, you know, the session and, you know, they created something that a lot of people had never heard before. How long did it take them to record? Like there were no takes and stuff. Like they just, Oh, there were were definitely many takes, but these were all, these were, you know, multiple sessions. So that's all right. It was session one Harbor lights. So I highly recommend on, on, on Spotify or wherever to listen to the sun sessions on sun. I think it's called sun record sessions. It's an album, Elvis Presley album. I highly recommend anybody to listen to it. It's really good. It just, and you know, if you, again, it's like, try to like picture yourself. Like we listen to music now and it's like, probably this is like no big deal, but picture yourself in the fifties listening to this and hearing it on the radio for the first time. You know, it's, it's, you know, comparing what you hear to, uh, slower bluegrassy type standards and, and, and crooners yeah. ballads so many you, you know ballads. frank sinatra bobby Martin, Dar- bobby right. darren right. that kind of you know crooner type stuff uh is uh, it's elvis was definitely kind of a sea change yeah. from that and and he had he so he also had like a nervous energy he was very like moving and just like vibrating his body and gyrating and stuff yeah. like he even did that in the studio so later you know becomes now you know elvis the pelvis and all that stuff mm-hmm. and creates like all this controversy mm-hmm. but he was always like that like he was a very fidgety person like he would you know something dixie complained about that he was always fidgeting tapping his legs and just like just a fidgety dude and then when he sang and played it just kind of came out and to his whole body, you know, and that's, you know, kind of like it. the gospel. Yeah. Moves just through moves, you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the spirit takes you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is a big deal, right? So it's a big deal. Yeah. It still hasn't reached, reached nationwide. You know, this is all happening in Memphis, you know, on a couple of radio stations and it also pisses people off. So yes. like, um, you know, a lot of white listeners think that maybe he's black and they're getting upset. Like, get, um, get him off our radio. Right, right. Yeah. What they, is this noise? Yes. Right, exactly. So, and then you get, you know, more younger people who are like, you know, this is wild. Like, this is crazy. Play it again. Um, <laughs> we were talking about Bill Monroe. So after he heard Elvis's version of Blue Moon of Kentucky, he actually recut it and redid it in Elvis's style. Hmm. Wow. So, like, very, like, Elvis, the first time he met him was at the Louisiana Hair, Hay Ride, no, Grand Ole Opry. One of the two. And um, either a dairy show or the Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) One of those two. (laughs) So so he meets him and he's like nervous, like he's going to like try to punch him or something. But he was Mm. actually very complimentary and like, yeah, this is, you know, I redid the song basically because (laughs) because of the way I I like the way you did it, which is quite the the first version was a dude singing. Yeah. Yeah, oh. he just had a very nice, softish voice. A falsetto, a nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, Bill Bill Monroe is, uh, I think, passed at this point. So yes, yeah, he, we can talk about his high pitched singing. Yeah, high pitched singing voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so and some of this does kind of like trickle up to um, some, you know. Not big record execs. So record, record, record executives like 
you know, they have like, they've got people down on the ground. I don't remember what they're, t- they're called, but like, scouts. They've got, yeah, they've got people that like, just kind of like in the know in different regions and stuff and trying to sell, you know, push albums and stuff to jukebox. Cause like, apparently in jukeboxes, like in establishments, like there was a guy that came every Wednesday and put a new song on, like put the new records on mm. it. Wow. Yeah. It's like a vending machine for music. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like it, I didn't realize how important jukeboxes were. Mm to that time period, you know, like you would hear like the hit songs or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the record companies, like some studios, like, so they went and cut a whole bunch of records where right? I think it was like 6,000 or something. And then they're like, okay, like start. So Sam Phillips starts just like busting his ass, trying to get this album out, like trying to get people to listen to it and trying to sell it. But he's also really, um, he, he, you know, he, some people have some mixed feelings about him. I, I was, there's one story where he went to, um, I think it was a jukebox guy. It was or radio station. They were like, they considered Sam Phillips an N word lover, you know, like mm. that was still a thing. <laughs> and so, uh, well, this is, uh, this is Trump's America. It's still a thing. <laughs> so. God, it's still a thing. <laughs> People. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, anyway. that's not, <laughs> this is not a politics show. This is an Elvis show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so it, um, so, yeah, so it, there was still pushback, you know, some for some people because of what Sam Phillips, who he recorded and who, you know, he, he was, you know, an every man. He didn't care what color his skin is. He cared about music. And so this is, again, he thinks this is the revolution. This is the change, you know, and he wants to be a part of it and he wants to spread it. So, you know, he just goes all over the place, all over Tennessee and just trying to, like, sell it to radio stations. He goes down to Texas. Like, he's just spending all of his time on the road trying to get this record out there. And it's gaining more and more popularity. Um, He does have a connection at the Grand Ole Opry. Um, So Elvis gets to perform there. Not so great. Does not go well. (laughs) No. No. You remember, because we were talking about the Opry earlier, it's these old stodgy people who want to hear their country western standards. Yes. Right. So... He goes and plays there, and people are like, no. Right, right. It's My grandfather hated Elvis. Really? Like, he Do was one us. of these people mm. that really? was, would probably be there disapproving. He was, like, strictly bluegrass and country music. Mm. Oh, don't want any of that R&B mixed in. He, he said everything else is noise. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That, that's that's these people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and that was a lot of the population at the time. You know. So there was this one story. Maybe of, that's um, why he hated his middle name because he's just associated it with Elvis. <laughs> Elvis maybe mm. he knew about Vernon Presley. <sighs> Provided the seed to Elvis, who he mm, hated. Mm, mm. <laughs> Nemesis. <laughs> right. Mm. So he. Um, yeah. There's this one story where um, the record company scout guy. Is at at this record um, record store, and the owner's like, you know, I can't keep this this record in stock. You know, people are coming in, and this big old like fifty something like white guy comes in in his overalls, and he's like, you know, you got that Elvis Presley, song? you know, like, <laughs> and he wants it not for Blue Moon of Kentucky. Kentucky he wants it for that's all right mama hmm. and this this guy is like what what is going on like you know it's it was very confusing and I think a lot of people didn't trust that this was going to be a thing you know um but there were rumors and whispers and it was it was building so uh, we kind of skipped ahead Grand Ole Opry so the first couple performances Elvis was performing with the Starlight Wranglers and then they just kind of broke up like the other members dispersed because it was just Elvis Scotty and Bill like that's all you needed so I'm just gonna note no drummer just guitarists, bassist. At that yeah. point, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. 
I need to so, listen to that again. Yeah, so if you listen to those Sun, ses- sun Record sessions, like, yeah, no no drums. It's just but the three of those guys. How many musicians total? Well, three. Three. Yeah, and yeah, Sam Phillips bass, is guitar, a producer. Singer. Okay. Yeah, so you've got Bill on bass, you've got Scotty on guitar, and you have Elvis, and then you have Sam Phillips as the producer. So, um, so the first couple, you know, Elvis is very nervous. His first couple performances, you know, he, you know, the, I think it was the first or second one where he, people started screaming cause he was moving and he thought they were making fun of him. Oh. Yeah. Because he's still like insecure again, 19, you know, insecure. He's a performer and everything, but he's still like, you know, when you put yourself on stage, you're, you're, you're putting yourself up to ridicule and everything. And then, like, it turned out after the show, he was like, oh, no, these girls were screaming because they liked what you, how you were moving on stage. So then he gets more comfortable and then it's he starts really getting into it and, like, you know, just gets more comfortable in his own skin and on stage and stuff. And then, like, when do the hips come? That's when the hips come. I mean, second, first, second performance, like. Um, you know, he was doing it at the Grand Ole Opry. So, you know, probably not as exaggerated as like 1955. It, you know, in Forrest Gump's bedroom. What? Where does that fall in the timeline? <laughs> oh, that movie. <laughs> I, I, I like. No, Forrest I like that Gump. movie. I'm just like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been before the Opry, but after Sun Sessions. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so. okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> um, so then he goes to Hayride, right? After yeah, so the, then he goes to Louisiana Hayride was actually, I think they called it like the hillbilly version it, of It's kind of like, you know. Grand Ole Opry like owned Louisiana Hayride. It was like a part of yeah, a, it's a subsidiary show. Yeah, like the, like the cooler, younger, more like, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, WWE, right? And then you have your NXT. <laughs> you, you know? This is not a good Laura analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so like, like the, the minor leagues, basically, kind of. Like, you get your exciting new acts or whatever there with the young mm-hmm. people. Okay. And then, you know, maybe if you, if you like, kind of clean up and, like, become more of, like, a, like, the standard country western stuff, then you can play the Opry. It's like the 930 Club and the Black Cat. Uh, yeah, probably, yeah. I guess. I don't know. If they were owned by not, the same people. Yeah, if they were owned by, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I feel like Black Horizon Cat, Center Black or something. Black Cat is completely different music than yeah. the 930 Club. 930 Club is kind of like... It, it's, I would it's, say it's, it's more like the 930 Club, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's, there's, there's not like a good U analogy. like Street Music Hall and then 930 Club. Uh, yeah, something like that. Like you like, start there. Yeah, and then, and then, you, then right, you move up. get big enough. Yes. Right, you move Like up. people yes. are paying like $1.25 for a ticket. It's kind of like the auto bar in Ramshead, right? If they were owned by the same people? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good analogy. You know? Yeah, so, and he's, he's playing with people who are end up being you know really huge like june carter and you know you know them and i I was reading a story about like how um june carter actually like asked him if like actually if so interrupting myself on spotify they have the louisiana hayride performances and at one point june carter actually introduces him Uh, to be real though the louisiana hayride stuff is very poorly recorded Uh yeah so So it's it's not something that you it's like if i ran out of the rest of elvis then you listen (laughs) to that because it's it's just so poorly recorded i suppose if you're like a misfits fan and you like things that are recorded terribly hey 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 hey. then you know it's for you but how dare you he is the anti elvis (laughs) yeah he's He's amazing yes yes (laughs) so i mean i still recommend it just because if you want to like submerse yourself in history just kind of try to imagine it because this was a phenomenon that had never really i mean 
there were other big singers, you know, Hank Snow, like these other big musicians, but like he was starting to do things and really getting into the music and just, you know, the changes that they're doing musically mm. were a big deal. And it's, the crazy girls go like screaming it, it's, at him. It's like, interesting. There's, I have some, uh, Louisiana Hayride, like trivia type oh, stuff. Oh, okay. All right, so, so the Louisiana Hayride, uh, started like in around 1948, right? Right as Elvis comes to Memphis. Oh, uh-huh. So it's kind of like this, this kind of new show that he kind of grew up in his high school years, maybe listening to, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know whether he listened to it, but if he was into it, you know, then, then it would be kind of neat to like perform on that, you know, that program that you'd be listening to on the radio for a number of years. Right. Um, Elvis also kind of like contributed to like killing the Louisiana Hayride (laughs) because, (laughs) because Hayride was kind of about like, you know, this country Western stuff. But Mm. when, when Elvis came on, people were like, I don't really want to listen to this hillbilly music. I want to listen to Elvis's style of music. In fact, uh, when Elvis would go on like mid mid act, uh, at the hayride, the the girls would be so crazy that they would they would the the guy would actually have to calm everyone down and actually actually where the expression Elvis has left the building came from. It came from <laughs> during the hayride. The full quotes like you know just calm down you know uh, everyone Elvis has left the building. We have to continue the show. Basically saying like listen he's not coming back on. <laughs> We have to, we have to, the other performers have to go now, you know? So, and that, and that's where that iconic <laughs> wow. expression came from wow. is people were just freaking out. Just hormone crazed girls. Yeah. Going yeah. Nuts. His, his audience was like the teenagers, you yeah. know, like people, I mean, people he went to high school with, I know mm. his couple, you know, first performances, you know, George Klein was there and you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because. You know, he was doing something. These teenagers are like gravitate. You know, people his age, and I mean, I think some older people probably were into him, but I think it was mostly like the younger crowd, which is what pissed off the older crowd. They're like, "No, this is too sexual, mm. too black. We can't have this." Yeah. Well, you you wonder like how much you know the 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 sexuality was kind of like uh, dog whistling. You know, right. for for racism, you know, like you're playing this sexual, you know, black music, you know what I mean? And that's really that's the problem. It's sexuality. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. although, you know, back then it was, you know, you could you could say it was black music, uh, probably in a less than savory way. Yeah. And uh, and that would be you could that was probably acceptable. That was acceptable then, I'm so, sure. Yeah. But so, yeah, so it's. um. So he, you know, he gets to the point where he's so big and, and Sam, um, he gets another, uh, well, so technically Scotty is his, his, Scotty is his manager. Scotty Moore, the guitarist is his manager throughout all this. Um, I think they split it like 25, 25, 50 or something like that. Like, I mean, between the three of them, you know, um, Wait, Elvis got 50. No. Or Scotty got 50. I think Scotty got 50. And, and Elvis got 25. Him and Bill got 25. Hmm. Um, so, you know, again, I don't know the exact amounts. Sorry, again, facts. <laughs> facts? We don't need facts here. No, we, get, we, have swagger. we have general instincts. <laughs> yes, general knowledge. They probably split it 50, 50, 50. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so they're touring. They're really busy. And this, so... During all this, Elvis also has a, has a girlfriend that he's had for like a couple of years. She's 
You know, is that when Dixie? she goes, yeah, Dixie. So she goes away, and, and that is not a euphemism for the for the South. You know, no, it, it didn't just, yeah, like Dixie love, was, his love his her. girlfriend was the South. <laughs> he was married. Yeah, to the to south. south. <laughs> yeah, so Dixie and he were, you know, were together for like a year or something like that before this happens. He gets this record. That's all right, Mama airs while she's in Florida visiting family, and she comes back, and all of a sudden shit's hitting the fan, and he's going to con like playing shows and stuff, and it just it gets to be too much for her, and the girls are going crazy for him, and he's obviously liking the attention and that, and it just it just wasn't, you know, she was also you know a couple years younger. She was like I think. He was 18. I think she was 14 or 15. You know, when they first started dating, he was just out of high school. And, you know, he went. So what's funny is in 55, he actually went to prom with her. So after he's been big, Mm. he's still like, you know, they were still dating. It just, you know, it it wouldn't, you know, it wasn't meant to be, you know, because it, which is sad because they had been talking about marriage. I kind of feel bad for Dixie because he became somebody that she didn't, you know, he always loved music and he loved playing and stuff but it just got to be too much you know and he became too big for her you know and mm-hmm. she's like i just want to get married and have kids and yeah, you know I, I don't want this crazy life right yeah. exactly so um so here's a question mm-hmm. what when are we gonna when are we gonna cut right so i think when are we gonna end it we're gonna end it here okay so we're ending with louisiana hayride um colonel parker uh, he gets bob neal as a manager briefly colonel Wait. parker what so his manager Scotty Moore, and then it becomes, then he gets Bob Neal as he's getting bigger and like he needs, you know, more of a push and mm. he needs more management. You know, um, Bob Neal comes into the picture, and then Colonel Parker strikes the Colonel, <laughs> yeah, who arguably is one of history's greatest monsters <laughs> and also heroes, maybe. I, uh, I mean, yeah. right yeah. to us. He, he records Monster Heartbreak Hotel. Right, right. Well, I'll do a poll on Twitter. We'll see what people think. Because, you know, Heartbreak Hotel happens because of Colonel Parker. You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, that's true. It, he's we, the we, one who brings him national. So. Yeah, that's tr- that's that's true. Yeah. It, it. The question is, you know, I guess what it comes down to is without Colonel Parker could have Elvis would have Elvis been as big, right. you know? And, uh, I think Elvis certainly thought that Colonel was responsible right? Yeah, for, he, for he, his fame. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, but. so we're going to end it here with, he's going to, he, you know, he's going to meet Colonel Parker. He's going to start filming his first movie. Love me tender, which we're going to watch and review. Um, and my, um, I'm going to give Laura the honors today to close out the show. Oh, that's right. I forgot that every episode we (laughs) close with the TCB oath. More self-respect. More respect for fellow man. Respect for fellow students and instructors. Respect for all styles and techniques. Body conditioning. Mental conditioning. Meditation for calming and stilling of the mind and body. Sharpen your skills. Increase mental awareness. For all those that might choose a new outlook and personal philosophy. Freedom from constipation. TCB technique. All techniques into one. Elvis Presley 8th. Applying all techniques into one.